If you'll take your Bibles and let's turn to Joshua chapter number 7. Book of Joshua chapter number 7. We last saw that Israel had experienced the greatest military victory in their history and uh, no doubt one of the all-time greatest military victories in all of history. I mean, when you just shout and the walls come down, uh, the victory was the Lord's. Amen. Uh, they witnessed the Lord's tremendous defeat of Jericho and they were basking in the glow of that great event. But now we see in, in Joshua chapter number 7, let's read verse number 1. So, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So now we see how that the Lord is upset with his people. And now understand that Joshua and the children of Israel thought that everything was all right between them and the Lord because the wall came down and they went in and trounced Jericho afterward, but that's where the problem took place at. While they were trouncing Jericho, that's when the accursed thing was taken. That's when Achan took and hid uh, some things that we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But uh, they... They thought they were standing on the edge of a great string of victories that would see them conquering the entire land of promise. I mean, that's, you, can see, you can understand their vision of that after the, such a great victory uh, at, at Jericho. But what they did not know was that there was a problem in the camp. Not just any problem, but there was sin in the camp. That's how the Lord describes it. There was one in their midst who by his inattention and disobedience to the Lord's word was causing a problem for all the people of God. And that's what I want us to really grab a hold of as we take a look at sin and its consequences. See, a lot of folks have the idea, well, if I sin and do wrong, it just affects me. Not necessarily so. Yeah? Most of the times, other people are involved. Your sin affects others. And here we see the all of... All of uh, Israel was affected in that they did not get the next victory immediately, uh, but we're going we're gonna to see it, it, uh, some lost their life because of this. And um, we'll, I mean, let me tell you just, you know, today see similar things happening. According to the Bible, when one member of the body has problems, the entire body has problems. Remember us talking about that Sunday night? Yeah. Um, you see, our spiritual temperature can have a deep effect on the entire body of Christ. None of us are an island unto ourselves, and what we do can and often does affect the entire church body. Now, this is not the only time that the, the whole uh, Israel, children of Israel, uh, all of them were affected by just a few. I mean, in this instance, it's one. But the other time was when they were on the edge of the, of the promised land. Remember when the 12 spies went in? He had, he had uh, 10 come back and say, we can't do it. And had two that said, we can do it because the Lord is the one that's going to give us the victory. And uh, they listened to the 10. And uh, the, the sin of the 10 and not having the faith uh, affected the whole, um, all of those that, that were 20 age and older uh, and wound up losing their losing their lives and in the um, and in the wilderness, and it was a sad day for Israel then. 
But sin causes problems. It causes problems for the sinner, and it can cause problems for those that are around the sinner. And sadly, there are some believers who, like Achan, are guilty of living selfishly. That's what he did. He lived selfishly. He was thinking about himself, and uh, he allowed sin into his life, and then he tried to cover up his sins. He tried to hide it, and that in doing so, uh, he brought pain and trouble into uh, other folks' lives, and we see that still happening today. In, in our day and time, there's some people who who's, uh, sometimes they, they live selfishly, allow sin in the, their lives, try to hide, up, hide their sins, cover it up, and they bring pain and trouble into their lives and the lives of others who are near them. And these verses reveal to us the consequences of sin and the correction that is necessary because of sin. First thing we're going to see tonight is the painful defeat. We see the painful defeat and we see that Israel was uh, overconfident. You ever been overconfident before and it came back to bite you? Well that's what we see. Look at verse number 2. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is beside Beth Haven on the east side of Bethel and spake unto them saying go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor uh, thither, for, for, for they are but a few. In other words, man, we, we handle Jericho, we can handle this no problem. Uh, that was the attitude he had there. Uh, again, Israel was ba- still basking in the glow of their victory at Jericho, and they looked at Ai and felt... Like, that little town would be no problem for such a great army as theirs. And the only problem is their great army didn't get them the victory. God did. Israel was a confident people. But a closer look reveals that their confidence was misplaced. In verse 3, we see that they felt like they, uh, that just a few of the soldiers are needed to secure victory in little Ai. They had already had forgotten that it was the Lord God and not their own ability that had brought about the wonderful victory at Jericho. How soon we forget, amen? How soon we forget. When we forget that we owe everything to God, we begin to be filled up with pride. Proverbs 16 verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. They just kind of got built up with pride with themselves about what they had done at Jericho. Confidence is a good thing as long as one's confidence is in the right place. And when we're walking with our hope and our confidence in the Lord, we're going to win some victories. Amen? But when we are walking with our confidence in the power of our ability, and in our flesh, then we are destined to fail. So Israel was overconfident. Second thing we see, found in verse number 4 and 5, Israel was defeated. Look at verse 4. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. I want you to think about that. 36 men... Not only 36 men killed, but 36 families affected directly. You know, it says, look at verse number uh, 5 again. And men of Ai smote them about 36 men, for they chased them from from before the gate, even to Shebarim, and smote them in the going down 
uh, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So Israel was defeated. When Israel went up to Ai, they suffered a terrible defeat. 36 men killed. They had, had to uh, be devastating, you know. After having come off a great victory, and here they're, they're chased by a small town. However, when we take time to look uh, more closely at their actions, it's easy to see that they made several mistakes. They made mistakes that many of us are guilty of making a lot of time as well. Number one, they didn't pray. You don't see any prayer here. Uh, nowhere in this passage does it even hint that Joshua and the children of Israel sought the will of God for how to deal with Ai. If they had, I'm sure that God would have revealed the problem before people died. 36 people lost their lives because they didn't think about praying. How many times are we guilty of jumping ahead of God uh, and uh, His will for our lives? Sometimes we rush headlong into things without consulting the Lord, and then we get into a mess and we look to the Lord to bail us out. Help, Lord. <laughs> uh, it is far better to consult God before we make the mistake than it is to expect Him to clean up our messes afterwards. Okay, so they didn't pray. Number two, uh, there's no indication that they took the Ark of the Covenant into the battle. Remember, the Ark of the, Ark of the Covenant went with them around uh, the walls of Jericho. Well, we have no indication here that they took the Ark uh, with them. How significant is that? Well, the Ark symbolized the very presence and power of God. And they went into the battle uh, basically in their own strength. That's what we see. And they failed going in their own strength. Again, Here's an area where we could all use some help. Sometimes we try to live the, the Christian life by fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil in our own power. And we wonder why we fail time and time again. You know? We're no match for the world, the flesh, and the devil. We've got to have God and His Spirit to help us uh, gain the victory. A lot of times the problem is we don't take time to strengthen our walk with God. When we're walking with the Lord and in His Word and in prayer as we should be, He will go with us into the battle and, and face our enemies on our behalf. Um, think about David going against Goliath. Who killed the giant? David or God? God did. I mean, in fact, in 1 Samuel 17, 47, it says, In all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. That was from David's mouth. David realized that the battle was the Lord's, and he realized that the only way he was going to get victory was with the Lord, but he knew that the Lord was on his side. Another thing here, um, Israel had their confidence in their own power and not in the Lord. They were not walking by faith, but they were guilty of trusting what they could do. Um, how many times have we suffered defeat at the hands of our enemy because we believed that we were able and that we could get the job done? We all need the Lord if we're to walk in spiritual victory in our lives. Um, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
John 15, verse number 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do what? Nothing. Can't do anything without the Lord. So Israel was overconfident. Israel was defeated. Um, another thing we find there in verse number 5, Israel was clueless. That last phrase in verse number 5, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. After their terrible defeat at the hands of Ai, the people of Israel began feeling the same fear that their enemies had experienced. Remember when, it was, when uh, uh, they had heard what, the, uh, what their enemies were saying about them? Yeah. Uh, now, uh, that's one of the problems with sin. Sin defeats us and can even leave us feeling just like the lost. And nothing is right in the life of a believer while there's sin in his life. Israel didn't know at this point what was wrong. All they knew was that they had just suffered their first defeat. And thankfully, uh, the Lord wants his people to have the victory, and not to be living defeated lives. So he takes the necessary steps to reveal to the nation of Israel just exactly where the problem lies. So we see the painful defeat. Now next we see the painful discovery. <laughs> the painful discovery. Um, in verse number 6, we see Joshua reacted in prayer. Look, look at verse 6 through 9. Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth before, upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and, and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto what will thou do unto thy great name? Um, so, after the tra tragedy happens, Joshua found himself before the Lord in prayer. Here, his prayer was from broken heart, no doubt. Um, however, there was also a hint of anger that you detect in his voice. Uh, and accusation against the Lord. Lord, why have you allowed this to be to happen? But the Lord had not failed Joshua, nor had he failed Israel. Israel had failed the Lord. Uh, understand that prayer is the correct recourse in a time of trouble, but prayer will avail us nothing until our sin has been dealt with, and that's basically what the Lord is getting at here in this passage. And, and a good Good psalm for that is Psalm 66, 18. Psalm 66, 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And that's good for us to remember. When there's a tragedy in our lives, we first need to look within and see if, if, if that is where the problem is. It, it isn't always, but that ought to be the first place we look. Lord, uh, is there something within me that I need to know about, that I need to recognize, maybe something I, I've overlooked? So Joshua reacted in prayer. But we see next in verses 10 through 15 that God rehearsed what the problem was to, 
See, he rehearsed the problem. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10 says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? See? And he said, Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled. That word dissembled, dissembled means to be untrue. It means that you know you deny, you keep a secret, you conceal, you tell lies if you have to, you delude, you feign obedience. You know, no, there's nothing wrong. You know, you can just see aching. Nothing's wrong. You know, everything's okay. And uh, verse twelve said, "Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed." Um, Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people. Say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning... Therefore ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. And uh, while Joshua and Israel were trying to figure out what was happening, God already knew, and so he told Joshua all about what had happened. And the Lord told him that there was sin in the camp of Israel. He told Joshua that it was uh, this sin that was hindering his power and what was bringing about their defeat. And he also told Joshua how to discover the guilty party. And in these words uh, to Joshua, the Lord gives us some insights into sin, uh, which we, I believe we need to take note. Number one, the Lord all, knows all about our sins. Amen. There in verse number 11, we, I mean, Israel has sinned, and the Lord knew everything about what they had done. Our sin can affect those around us. And we know that uh, Achan, just one family... And all of Israel, but all of Israel have been warned. You know, you take of the accursed thing; it's not going to be good for the. It's not going to be good for the country. <laughs> not going to be good for all of you. And our sin can affect those around us. There, verse eleven and twelve. Our sin can hinder God's work. Verse twelve. There, and sin must be dealt with in God's way. And we read there in verse number thirteen. God was warning. Uh, the one who had done this to be destroyed out from the children of Israel. So we see the painful defeat. We see the painful discovery. And then we see the painful death. The painful death. The, the sinner was discovered. Uh, look at verse number 16. So Joshua <clears throat> rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. 
And he brought his household man by man, Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, and of the, of the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Uh, so we see there the, um, uh, the, uh, the Lord chose to, to use this process to point out Achan as the one who was guilty. And we might wonder, well, why didn't the Lord just tell Joshua who they were looking for? I don't know, and we're not told, but perhaps the Lord was giving Achan additional time to just repent and confess on his own. You know, there's still mercy with the Lord. And I'm sure he could have found mercy with the Lord had he come on his own accord. But as Joshua obeyed the Lord, the guilty party was eventually narrowed down to being Achan. And the lesson in us, uh, in this for each of us, is this. that The Lord already knows our sin, and it will be found out. We may try to hide and cover it up, but it will be found out. Numbers 32, 23. Behold, ye have sinned against the Lord. Be sure your sin will find you out. So the sinner was discovered. The sin was discussed there in verse number 19. He, he tells uh, Achan to, to give glory to God and, and make confession. Look down at verse number 20. Uh, we, we, well, first we see the compassion, the compassion there in verse number 19. When Joshua spoke to Achan here, he spoke with love in his heart. He knew that Achan was condemned. But he still cared for this man who brought so much trouble to Israel. And while God, God hates sin with his entire being, he still loves the sinner. And we see the confession, not only the compassion, but the confession in verse 20 and 21. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. And when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Notice, notice the different things there. He says, I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. <laughs> you know, I, I, that was a four-part four process of his sin. And so... Uh, Achan confessed his sins, but only after he got caught. And that's not God's method for us to handle our sin. God's way is for a man to be open and honest about sin in his life and for him to confess those things to the Lord. Listen to Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. God's way is for his people to Throw the covers off their sins. Don't cover it up. Throw the covers off and tell God the truth that He already knows. <laughs> you know, you're not telling God anything you didn't doesn't already know. Confession is saying the same thing that God says. That's what confession did, uh, means. It's to say the same thing that God says about your sin. Um, he can bless a person who handles sin the biblical way, but the person who tries to hide his sins will never prosper. Now, I want you to note in, there in verse 21, Achan calls the things that he took spoils. <laughs> he said, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment. Uh, however, these things were not spoils. God told him up front those things that were 
in Jericho belong to him. <laughs> That's what he said. God has said in, in chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, that these things were his. And so Achan was guilty of stealing from the Lord. This was the Lord's stuff that he stole. Achan had things buried in his tent that he couldn't even use. <laughs> I mean, if you've got to hide it, you can't bring it out where everybody can see it, what good is it to you? Uh, they were no good to him at all. So Achan sinned, and he died for nothing, really. Um, we see the sinner destroyed. There in verse 22 through 26. It says, uh, So Joshua uh, sent messengers, and they ran into the tent. And behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. And they took them out of, all, uh, out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua and unto the children of Israel, and all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all the children uh, and all of Israel with him, Joshua and all of Israel with him, took Achan the son of Zerah, and the, the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them unto the valley of Achor. Now that word, word Achor means trouble, the valley of trouble. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. I take it that that's talking about until the, the, those stones were still there as of the writing of the book of Joshua. Okay? This is what it appears to me. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. And as I said, Achor means the Valley of Trouble. That basically is what it means. So these verses give us a sad conclusion to this tragic tale here. Achan and all that he had were taken out and stoned to death by the people of Israel and then burned with fire, everything. But it didn't have to end this way. If only Achan had listened to God in the first place, they would have took the stuff. Uh, God said, don't do it. <laughs> he told them it back in 18, chapter 6 and verse 18. He said, don't do it. Don't, don't take it to the curse of the thing. And he, 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 he did uh, so anyway. We can choose to sin, but we cannot choose the consequences of our sin. We need to remember that God chooses the consequences. I don't know how many times I've said that in the 14 years we've been here. But I continue to say it because it continues to be true. You can choose the sin, but you cannot choose the consequences. God chooses those for you. And you may think, well, that looks like some pretty heavy consequences. Yeah, but those belong to God. It's not for us to question. It's a hard lesson to be learned. The wages of sin is death. God's attitude towards sin hasn't changed. Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We may convince ourselves that we, cannot, that, that we can get involved with sin. It's not going to hurt us. It's not going to hurt those around us. And that we're not going to have to suffer any consequences. But you just lying to yourself. You know, that, that's not true. And what a sad account following such a, a great and wonderful victory. But that's the way it is. When we disobey God's commands and choose to sin... We can bring upon ourselves, our loved ones, and even other people around us some harsh consequences from God. So how much better is it to just obey 
the Lord and follow Him. Amen. All right, that's our Bible study for this evening. Let's pull our prayer list back out. We'll pray for the needs. We'll be dismissed with this prayer.